Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week, we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And if you've been listening to a series of shows we've been doing, you've heard the phrase, hurting people hurt people. Trauma, when left untreated, unhealed, eventually manifests itself in continued expressions of trauma. It's cyclical. And yes, we have experienced not only personal trauma, but collective trauma and cultural trauma. Systemic racism is an expression of a very deep generational and a wide cultural and collective trauma. What if these wounds of separation are at the core of many of our systemic issues? Would you do your work to heal trauma? Your personal work? Healing systemic racism is for all races and trauma has no color. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest, bringing back today Dr. Marty K. Casey. She's the founder of the Ungun Institute and Black Sunday. She's an actor, artist, and activist, and I am so proud to call her my friend, and I'm so happy to bring her back again and again. This is the fourth show in a series of four, and I know I just told our producer, Tony, a few minutes ago, I'm sure we'll have her back again, and he said, I'm sure we'll have her back again. So welcome back, Dr. Marty. Dr. Julie, it is always a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for having me, and hello to everyone who's taking the time out to choose to listen to us today. Yes, welcome. Welcome, guests, and and welcome back. Your voice is so exquisite, Marty Kay. When we oh. talk to uh, about all these all these different topics that we've woven together in this really important conversation, and today this topic, I'm calling. You're calling, we're calling together, that trauma has no color. That is correct. Yeah, it's an important piece because let's let's set the stage here first, um, Dr. Marty, that literally when we began this, we were talking about Black Sunday because it's a very important issue to look at what we're doing with racial relations and systemic healing of this racism and these wounds. And we've expanded the conversation into trauma to really look at, like you said, um, how do you say it about your ripples? Trauma, the ripples. Trauma has ripple effect. Is that what you say? Well, yeah, it's transferable. Transferable. That's what you said. Trauma is transferable. You know what? I have a really, I have a, let's just begin right there. Trauma is transferable. I have a story. And I think, I think everyone knows of someone that has a story like this. Let's begin with that trauma literally is transferable and 
there is no color here. But we'll we'll build this conversation so that we can look into how this fits culturally and collectively for our cultural and collective trauma. But let's begin with this personal trauma and look at transferable because so my story begins with someone that I know who as a young adult had a horrific trauma happen where her father and her brother were buried alive on a farm accident and to to just condense the story without telling all the details the it was a horrible, horrific accident. The son survived, but the father did not. Now, it's very obvious the son had post-traumatic stress all of his life after that accident. You can just see it over, you know, I'm a psychologist, so I can <laughs> I can say I've watched that. I know that. I, I know trauma. I know PTSD. And, and I can say that as a qualified he had post-traumatic stress, and really struggled with a severe case of that for a very long time. Yet, the sister also had significant changes, had significant effects of that trauma, and that trauma affected her life for her entire adult life. No one named it. No one speaks of it. It's not... It's not something that that everybody goes, oh, yeah, of course, so let's heal it. Nobody talks about it in this family. So trauma is transferable. That traumatic experience in that family affected everyone and continues to affect them for generations. Because now I can tell you the stories as a professional of how it's affected the children and the grandchildren of that woman who never healed her trauma. So, Dr. Marty, what can you teach us? Help us understand how trauma is transferable, and then we'll expand into trauma has no color. But let's talk about that transferable now, because it's in a really important piece, and it sets the stage for us understanding how our collective and cultural healing is important as well. Okay. Well, I, I definitely, I want to keep it really simple. I want to speak about uh, the emotions and the energy and how those are the things that we, we begin to feel and we can see how it affects us. Um, I, I'm going to also share a quick little story. My great-grandmother was born in 1910 and she, um, and she actually lived, uh, so she was 93 years old, so she died in 2003. So I've had her for, uh, you know, a great part of my life. And uh, even my daughter had her until she was, uh, you know, uh, she died when my daughter was 13. So here we're talking about five generations, if you will, of my great grandmother just sharing a story that we didn't witness firsthand. But because of the trauma that my great grandmother experienced, it really continued to show up in how she uh, she parented. And what happened was she lost two of her, her boys at an early age. One of her sons was two when he passed away. He had gotten a hold of bleach and he drank it thinking it was milk. And so he had um, instantly poisoned himself. My grandmother found him in the kitchen floor. And then the second 
son, she lost. Her son um, had gone swimming with some friends, and I live in St. Louis, Missouri. And my great-grandmother spoke about how he, he, uh, his friends dared him to swim to the middle of the Mississippi River and then swim back. Well, he was a really, they say, a, a, just an excellent swimmer. And so he, um, he was able to swim to the middle. And as soon as he was turning his body around to come back, a current came through and swept him under. Uh, it was days upon days later that they found uh, his body uh, washed ashore. My, and back during that time, you know, I'm sure the processing was a little different. So they, my great-grandmother had to go and identify his body. And I remember her speaking about how, how horrible it was of her uh, witnessing his eyes had been eaten out by the fish. And, and when she told, told the story, I could literally see, I could feel, I could hear the water. I could picture the emotional uh, distress of my great grandmother. And that has stuck to me in, in the, in the storytelling, just through the storytelling, it has mm. been transferable. So we have to even be careful in, how we we present the stories to others. Now imagine if you were um, if you happen to be in that space when it happened with her, and emotionally how that was devastating to her and everyone in her life at that time. It also became a ripple effect, and that's where the ripples. I think that you were asking me about that ripple effect happens. Well, it did. It rippled into her family. And so her and my, my great-grandfather end up getting a divorce because it was just too much for both of them to, to bear uh, emotionally. They just couldn't be each other's emotional support through that traumatic experience. So now to add on top of that, what I call cultural trauma or collective trauma in that case, then there's personal trauma because on top of what she just experienced with her, her son dying and the way he died, now she's a single parent trying to raise her two other children. So now it becomes personal as well. So it's, it's you know, it, so we have to just be aware of how trauma can show up in many different layers um, and affect many different people. And it can connect others. Even you were, you was nowhere around. I'm talking about years later. She's telling me this story and I could feel everything I could hear. I, I literally could picture every single thing and could feel it in my body in that moment as she began to tell the story. Mm. So, Dr. Marty, that's a, a fascinating story, really, in that um, it's two generations above you. No, it's three three generations above you, great-grandmother, not your mother, not your grandmother, but your great-grandmother. And um, and literally that trauma goes unhealed and it begins to ripple out in the marital relationship. And it, it, it I'm sure, affected, just like you said, the parenting, all of those things. And yet you could literally feel it when she described it and carried that story forward. Um, so in that case, this is a really, I think, a, a fascinating case. Knowing what you know now, I imagine 
Dr. Marty saying, Grandma, let's ungun you. <laughs> it's time to ungun you. And and so where might you start with someone like that, that literally um, say that the, the trauma was years and years and years ago. She doesn't have to be alive today, you know, to, to, to really do this work. But as, as you're thinking back, knowing what you know now, what might have you said years ago to her when she was still alive? Well, let me just rather me to, to guess at what I possibly would have said. Let me tell you what I have done. I've undone my whole family with that trauma. I had to break that cycle because it was almost showing up like a generational curse where we given an excuse. Don't forget that nanny was traumatized when that happened to her is the mm-hmm. reason that she didn't really love mama, which is my grandmother and the ways physically that maybe mama needed to be loved. So therefore when mama had my mom, Linda, she uh, was so hard on Linda and Linda, it began to search for love. And then Linda ran off and married my father who, um, you know, she probably wasn't really ready for marriage at that point. And then he ended up being an alcoholic and he wasn't ready. He was trying to deal with his own personal trauma. They came together and they had children. And so now Marty is, you know, this person, that person. And and now Marty has a child and we see it in uh, now Morgan is doing this with her child. You see how we just kind of, we make yeah. it a generational thread excuse and it trauma just keeps traveling. <laughs> it, it just keeps tra- transferring and traveling through the family. So what I did two years ago, I actually, I've written a one woman show about my life and I recreated through the art, the story, which is one of the uh, processes that I teach through the Ungun Institute, HEAL, H-E-A-L. HEAL, again, is H, is how to disarm trauma bullets. My great-grandmother had trauma bullets. She's gone. But those bullets continue to affect each of us that's connected to her. E is engage and reverse trauma using the art. That's exactly what I did. We're going to get rid of this trauma in our family. We're going to stop it right now. I am going to turn this into a stage play where I, uh, I created a one-woman show where I played my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, my brother, myself, and my daughter. A is activate firing power by targeting your bullseye. I had to get to the bottom line. What was the bullseye? The bullseye is that my great-grandmother really felt like she had failed by not being there for her two children when that trauma happened. And she physically had taken it on mentally, physically, emotionally. And so moving forward, every one in the, in the, in the family, it's almost like she overparented. L is look out for trauma triggers and set your safety lock. We understood that certain things, be, you know, showed up as a trigger for my great-grandmother. So we didn't talk about certain things or we didn't do certain things because we understood how upsetting that was for her. Like when my brother went away to jail, my, my brother actually was my great-grandmother's first great-grandson, right? So when he went away to jail... We, we were so worried about her because it was another loss of another boy child. That was a trigger, a mental trigger. So we, we was aware of that. 
and we had to do certain things to just make sure she was able to emotionally sustain what she was dealing with even years upon years later. Mm. So that's what I did with that, with, with that situation and that story. And I tell you, my mother, I wish there was almost a way that my mother could be here in on this interview where she could, could share this with you in her own words. She never figured out why her mother was responding to her in the manner that she was. She held a lot of guilt and a lot of uh, hurt and pain from the relationship with her and her mom. She never figured it out until she seen my stage play two years ago. So your stage play, this is important because you're doing your healing and yet the whole family can heal through your healing as well. So how did they respond to the stage play? Well, my grandmother and my great-grandmother are now deceased. So who is living in my family is my mother, my daughter, and my brother. Before I released the um, the piece, I wanted to make sure that they had a copy of the script, read it from front to back, and they were going to be okay with the things I was going to reveal, talk about, and play out on stage. After getting all of their um, you know, approval and permission to do so, I felt relieved that now this is that moment I can unleash this and it will no longer have that emotional tie to us anymore in the sense we, yeah, we remember what happened. Yes. We, we understand we can't change what took place, but what we can it's what we do with it now. Does it really serve us to hold on to all of the emotional baggage that comes along with trauma? It doesn't. Let's take that, that. Let's get rid of that. Just keep what you need to keep and then keep moving. Yeah. And so what it did, it released, it released me just playing it out. Oh, I mean, I, I, I received my release from it immediately. And, and you have to, there's another thing that uh, a lot of people don't understand that when you begin to remove trauma bullets, as I call them, and I always speak from a, a place of, of personal, cultural, and collective trauma, simply because it really helps people to really, really understand that, again, trauma is layered. When you pull out a trauma bullet that may be inside of you culturally, there's still some personal trauma that's connected to that. So you pull in, you, you're doing double duty. You're pulling that out as well. So just beginning the work. You will clear your mind, your body, and your spirit of, you can focus in on one particular situation, but it will, it will release other trauma bullets that are, that's placed inside of you from something altogether different. Yeah. Think about it. Think, think about this, uh, Dr. Julie, and you may can even explain it a little bit better to the audience. A person who has been physically abused by their dad and it's a trauma bullet right fast forward 25 years later into their life now they're married and now they're seeing some of that same behavior possibly showing up in their their spouse and so as that starts to fall apart when you decide to go to marriage counseling and 
they pull out, they don't call it a trauma bullet, but for the sake of my program, <laughs> I'm going to call it that, my method. They're pulling out that trauma bullet that, that is um, on the surface of your marriage. Well, it's really a stemming from what happened in your childhood from that yeah. relationship with, with your dad. So we yank it out, out of your marriage, but it also goes, it's so deep. It, it's down in where it began in your childhood. So you're pulling all of that out. Do you hear the freedom that you have when you begin this work? To, I mean, I wish I could spend the whole rest of my life all day, every day, just sitting in, you know, sitting at a, a desk and just allowing people to just walk up to me and just ungun them, ungun them next, ungun them, ungun them next. <laughs> I can see because the mobile ungun, the mobile ungun minivan or the mobile ungun motorhome traveling around the world, ungun, ungun next. Set a little, yeah, pull it up on the city curbside and get another little lawn chair out. I can see it already, Dr. Marty. But what Absolutely. you're saying is really important because so now you're setting the stage for this. Um, when I mentioned in the intro that literally this is very deep generational work and it's very wide cultural and collective trauma. So as we're we're looking at this, you do, I gave an example of how a trauma that that some people weren't even um, even alive at the time went down several generations. You're talking about a trauma that literally went down several generations. Now imagine that our collective traumas, our cultural traumas are continuing to move down generationally as, as well as wide culturally, like you're talking about, like, yes, the abused son begins to perpetuate or be victim of the same behaviors in his relationships. And then, then when the children come and then when their children come, you know, it's the same thing, just like in your family, just like in the family that, that I talked about. This piece is so important for us to get and understand as we're sitting here saying it's time to heal our cultural wounds it's time to heal systemic racism it's time to heal our our relationship to one another and how we treat one another and here we are re-traumatizing ourselves over and over and over again because we are missing this piece yeah and that's why i have a whole different approach about it I, you know, I'm a black woman all day long, every day. I am a black woman. So yes, I feel what everyone is saying, but it has, to, it really has to start with self because you have to take it back to where it's personally connected to you. You have to pull this thing out from the root. So yeah. it's more than just, you know, uh, you know, that the, the, the racial uh, systemic uh, issues that we're experiencing collectively well, where is it connected even personally and culturally? We yeah. need to pull it from the root. We're just, we're just kind of dealing with this stuff on the surface, and that's why it continues to come back. Yeah, when you say that I'm – earlier you were saying it that it excuse – it's an excuse. It's not an excuse. It explains. You know, these things can explain that. I'm imagining – the very so we're we're going to talk about systemic racism, but that that trauma has no color. And I'm also imagining 
the very first slave owner, whoever that was, they themselves probably had some serious trauma and it goes unhealed. We don't treat one another the way we treat one another when we're learning, when we, when we do our healing work. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. You know, I say all the time, and it's interesting, you, um, you mentioned half of that, of, of, of my quote um, in the beginning. And so the old quote is, hurt people hurt people. But my quote is, hurt people hurt people and healed people can heal people. Mm. That's what we have to get to. We really have to get to the, doing the work. We can't just leave it at people being hurt. That serves nobody. That, that, that is, no, that's a place of pity. That's a place of, of agony that I, I really, I have no room or tolerance for just waddling and being hurt. If I go to the doctor and you just, in the, in, in the, uh, the, the medical doctor tells me, well, you know, hurt people, hurt people. They just, well, I'm, but sir, I came, or ma'am, I came here so you could tell me how to heal. It's clear to me that I'm hurt. I'm bleeding out. I'm holding my arm in my hand. I need you to tell me how can I heal? Because that's what I'm coming here for. And so that's what we need to do. We need to put the focus on um, how to help people heal, how to get past this pain. How, yeah. No matter how deep it runs, no matter, it, it really, you know, even when we speak about the categories and we even talk about it being transferable and the ripple effects, okay, even after understanding all of that, which is important, but that's not as important as clearly getting someone to say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. My family was ready. My great-grandmother gone on to glory. My grandmother gone on to glory. And I watched both of them die on their deathbed. I did. And looking at both of them dying from the, um, my great my grandmother dying of cancer. It wasn't the cancer that I, in, in my mind, imagine what was eating her alive. It was the trauma. Mm. Unresolved trauma. trauma. Unresolved, Unresolved trauma. trauma. Yeah. yeah. Your body cannot heal. Your body cannot naturally heal itself. When we have so much stress and mess and junk and heaviness and toxicness and all of these things inside of our body. So that's, how can it, how? <laughs> yeah. How can I, how am I cleaning up a house and I'm shining everything and I'm spraying the windows and the windows, you know, they're beautiful and the floor is clean, but I haven't taken out the trash. Mm. That doesn't, the house isn't clean. Yeah. What is that stench? What is that smell? Everything looks shiny and beautiful. We, what is that? That's a great analogy. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And I just want to like pause and remember you saying we've got to get to the root. And you, you talk about removing trauma bullets. And I just want to leave our listeners with that idea that you can heal 
from your traumas. And it doesn't have to be this major life event to acknowledge it as trauma. Sometimes those traumas are so subtle and yet they're still as painful. And it's still okay to look at that and get to the root and remove that trauma bullet. So we're going to talk so much more about this. We're going to dig into uh, uh, taking this in a few different ways when we come back from break. But right now, you're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. And we're here with Dr. Marty K. Casey. We'll be right back. Meditation channel, nonstop meditation music, 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation channel is interruption free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation channel. Welcome to the ocean. I've sailed the seven seas a hundred times and found something I like even more than me treasure. Tis the ocean, beautiful and clear. Right now, I'd be sailing over the Great Barrier Reef. It just shivers me timbers thinking of all the fish and coral below me. Wait, what's that floating by? The plastic bag! By Blackbeard's eye patch, that's disgusting. Why did you know that many of these things come from folks throwing them carelessly on the ground? It'd be true. Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. Boys, get the plank ready. Somebody's got to dive in and get that bag. Any volunteers? All right, fine. I'll do it myself. Cannonball! Find out what you can do to help keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me, Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, 
courageous and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of ways to do that. You can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com and goodofthewhole.org. I'm here today with Dr. Marty K. Casey. She's the founder of the Ungun Institute. You can find her at unguninstitute.com. So, Dr. Marty, as I begin the second half and we deepen into trauma has no color and look at our cultural and collective traumas here, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and just really share a hypothesis that I think you and I both really believe and and teach from is that systemic racism is a symptom of our unresolved traumas. It's a symptom of our unresolved wounds. It's a symptom of this wounds of separation and what we've done to ourselves as a culture and and as a humanity. And it's the same thing that's happening on the planet in so many different ways. So what we're seeing the wide wise, when we were talking about the width of what's happening, a lot of it comes from the depth of what happens to one individual and ripples out. So I want to go into, um, and I'll let you respond to that in a second, Dr. Marty, but, but I really want to presence this idea that trauma is trauma. And oftentimes we'll, we'll think, well, my trauma's not like that. Mine's not that bad. My trauma that, that, that I think is at the root of my pain isn't to the magnitude of, of Julie and Dr. Marty's stories. Like nobody died. It wasn't a traumatic death. It wasn't, it wouldn't qualify me for post-traumatic stress disorder. I just had this happen or I just had that. Oftentimes we minimize trauma if it's not something that's that's acute or that literally society says this is a trauma. So I'm curious what you might say about the different levels of trauma or the different kinds of trauma that even in our childhood, witnessing other people's violence is traumatic in our childhood. um, Literally adverse childhood experiences create trauma. So what would you say to those listeners who, who might be minimizing their trauma? Well, I I hope that they would not do that um, because, again, you own how you feel. That's something that is personal. You own that. If it happens to be showing up in your mind, your body, and your spirit in a certain way, and it is causing you to feel a certain amount of hurt or pain, you really need to acknowledge that. Someone could have a um, paper cut versus someone... um, finger getting cut off. Okay. The person who got their finger cut off actually went to the doctor, was able to get the finger sewn back on and all is well, right? Well, the person with the paper cut um, ended up with an infection that they ignored and then they lost their finger altogether. But it started with a simple paper cut, right? (sighs) But what happened because of the steps they did or did not take, it caused the extreme of what 
the beginning was of that person whose finger was actually dismantled. But because that person got immediate attention, they were able to save their finger. So it doesn't really matter where you start, where the situation starts or how it starts. What happens is what you do thereafter. Mm. And you owe that to yourself to make sure you, you, you are going to be okay. Never compare your hurting your pain to someone else's because they don't have to live with it. Yeah, that is a brilliant metaphor. And I just want to, I'm going to stop and pause for a second, Dr. Marty, because that is one of your greatest superpowers. Your gift, your creative mind can take a simple thing like a paper cut and give a great example of what we're talking about here today. So thank you for that example. And then I'm going to just shift because this is amazing. I mean, that that example says it all. And yet here's what the bottom line of that was. That message, that metaphor about paper cuts versus cutting your finger off is we have to acknowledge the trauma. There's something about acknowledging it and then moving into the healing part of having it witnessed by others. That's so important in this process. Talk more about that acknowledgement process. Well, one of the things that I believe that we see that is very common in um, individuals who have experienced trauma, you have to then think about those five stages of grief. And the five stages of grief uh, can show up as denial and anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, It may not come in that exact order for you or for the next person, but those are the five stages that you nine times out of 10, you will experience. So it's good to know that and to look out for those things because then you will realize, Oh, you know what? I thought it was really nothing. I thought I was over that. I let that go, but here I am. I, maybe I was in denial at that mm-hmm. point. So now I need to accept what really has happened. But accepting it now, I'm angry as heck. You know what? I'm not going to be angry. I am. I'm going to let it go. I got to let this go. Now you're going back and forth. You're bargaining. And so in that process, because in your bargaining, you're not really satisfying yourself emotionally, we slip into a depression. And that's where that trauma bullet gets lodged. Mm. That's when you, now it's stuck. So rather than to um, continue to try to live with that and suppress it, which a lot of us do, no matter how it showed up. Remember I said earlier that personal, the, co- the cultural and the collective, it matters, but it doesn't matter because at this point you going through those five stages, it doesn't really matter where it came from. You got it now you're living and dealing with it. So the best thing you can do at this point is acknowledge and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to do something about it because I understand that my hurt and my pain, and that's where the trauma has no color because I need individuals to understand that hurt and pain has no color. So how can trauma have color? It can't. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It has no status. It has no color. It has really no purpose other than what you choose to give it. It only has power if you hold on to it. 
Does it excuse the fact of what happened? Do we get to erase what took place? No, no, sorry. That's, that's a part of life. That part you can't change. But guess what? That wasn't even your fault. That's what trauma does. It, it, it jumps on us. It, it comes by surprise. It's like, and it stops your body. It just disconnects the mind, the body, and soul like a rubber band popping. Snapped. Didn't see this coming. Okay, we get that. And we're here for you for that. But now you have to be ready to do your part so it doesn't continue to rip, be a ripple effect in your marriage and in your, your life showing up on your job and your relationships with your friends and your family and your children. You owe that to yourself to be your best person every day, every step of the way. If you don't have enough hours on this podcast, Dr. Julie, for me to just give you the titles of the trauma of the things that I have dealt with in my lifetime, yeah. But I am able to do this work from the experiences that I have had. I'm the trauma drama queen if I choose <laughs> to wear that title. <laughs> but I, I don't want that title. I don't want that. Right, right. Well, I my work comes from deep healing from my trauma and my wounds as well. Definitely. And a big part of my healing is number one um, yes acknowledging it and being ready for that work being ready for that healing number two there's you've shared lots of stories and i love this as we're transforming trauma into the best of our superpowers like literally you and i are standing here today because we've learned how to transform trauma and really use it as our superpower so Part of that is telling our story. Part of that is having a witness, others witnessing our trauma. And then there's, I, I love what both of us do with the arts. And But why don't you just speak a little bit about the witnessing part? Because you've, I've, I've, I've watched you in action. You shared a video with me earlier today. I've watched you in action and there's something about speaking our trauma and being heard by others. That's an important part of the healing step. One of the first parts. It's really hard to do this work alone. What can you say about that? Well, that is true. It is, it, 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 you have to, I would first say that you would want to be inspired by something or someone that um, motivates you to do the work. For me, it was my, my uh, music teacher in high school. And um, for others, it could be, you know, it could be anyone or anything. So once you have that and that's your motivation, you want, you want to complete that because that's the greatest gift that you are about to give to yourself, just completing the work and getting it done. Yeah. I just undone a group of people uh, last, last week. And um, I remember, and I'm going to make this, you know, pretty, pretty short, but when I uh, went into this group, this group has formed from coming from, um, they have found each other there from all different walks of, of life and from all around the world. And this happens to be a group where they can come in on Zoom and meet up with each other, check in with each other. And honestly, every last one of them, unfortunately, I believe 
have found each other and it feels like a safe place because of the trauma that they have experienced away from that group. And so this group now gives them that, that place of you accept me in spite of what I've been through somewhere else. Right. So when I came into the group was invited into the group to meet everyone um, for a totally different reason other than ungunning them. <laughs> uh, it was actually to invite them to come to uh, join me on, on Black Sunday to see that event. And when I came into the room, I was just about to log off when I could, again, remember, it's transferable. Yeah. I could feel that energy coming through my computer screen. It was heavy. That darkness, you could see it in their eyes. You could see it in the stillness of their bodies. You could see it with the lack of the smiles and all of those things. They were excited about what I was saying. They were responding appropriately. Like if I was just listening and not looking, I could have missed it. But because, again, I'm tuning in to their energy, I see it. And I, I wanted to gift them. I said, do you mind if I, you know, rather than me talking to you about trauma and undunning, can I just show you what it, what it's like? Just, do anybody want to, they all raise their hand like, yes, please undone me. <laughs> and so I began to do that. Now, this is my first time doing it with a group on Zoom, okay? Because we know this whole COVID-19 <laughs> has thrown us into a whole different, um, you know, aspect of, of, of the work we do. Usually what I do is more one-on-one and private. So I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I sure hope this works. I don't want to, you know, uh, put myself out here to help all of these individuals, and I can't. Yeah. But I did. But I was able to. My goodness, they, the breakthroughs that came from them was just amazing. So this happened on a Friday night, and then on Sunday was the uh, actual Black Sunday, and I checked back in with them on Sunday, and I told them, listen, it's been a long day. I'll come back and see you guys on Tuesday. And then I want to hear about all of your creations, because they were so excited to tell me, Gosh, since Friday, I've written a song and I've written poems and I've done this and I've, I've been playing my guitar and I've been, you know, I want to do some pottery. I mean, they have, it, it, because creatively, that's what happens. The art is the opposite of the trauma. It does the opposite to the body. The trauma sets your, shuts your creativity down and then the art is what revs it back up. So I explained to them, now that you're ungunned, you've, you've been loose now of the trauma you're now creatively, you're going to see all types of things come through you. And it did just that. So when I came back that Tuesday, I allowed everyone to share what they wanted to share. They were excited. They were happy. And, and, but there was one person, he was so still in his body. I thought he had his screensaver up. Hmm. And so <laughs> I was getting ready to say goodbye. And I saw his arm move. And I realized, oh, he doesn't have his screensaver up. He's just been sitting still to disappear. I focused my attention to him. Long story short, he said that he tried to do it on Friday, but it just didn't work for him. Honest answer. Fair enough. I understand. But are you ready to undone? He said he was ready. And I took him at his word. From there, I asked everyone to please turn off their video allow just me and him to be in the room. 
and he's given me permission to share all of this. I don't ever want anyone to think that I would just publicly share things that I don't have permission to. However, I, it took a minute. I had to walk him through um, the different stages of, of, of everything all over again, which I do act, I do dance, I do sing, and I do paint. And in those specific sections, there are different things that they have to do to get them there. And in the dance portion, that's more the, that's where you, you have movement. And when it got to the place where he was to smile, he couldn't. I knew then the trauma was deep. He couldn't even do a simple, natural thing like smile. I worked with him. I worked with him and it broke. Not only did he smile, I started to see a dimple. And shortly after that, he started laughing. And then he says, how did you know I didn't smile? You can hear the energy now come into his voice mm. that had been muted. He would sit in that room with them and he wouldn't even talk. He would use the chat. Some of them had never really even heard his voice, his speaking voice, because he chat with them. It was safe. So moving from that two days later, I went back in to check on him. He talked our heads off. <laughs> and he was, and he says, and Dr. Marty, I, you know, I want to play a song for you. I went and got my guitar today, but I'm in a place where I really can't play right now. But, but yeah, I'm, you, you'll be back. And so I'll get a chance to play my guitar later. I mean, he was chattering. Mm. He was, he was released. He received his breakthrough. So, this is the thing that I want the listeners to really, if they, you know, if you're not really um, finding uh, value in anything that I'm saying right now, this is what I want you to, to understand. The reason I do this work, it is to give you your life back. Trauma comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. Trauma will leave you so depressed that it can lead to suicide. Trauma can be so heavy that it breaks up all of your relationships. Trauma can hurt you so bad that the simple things that you used to do physically, you no longer can do because it hurts your muscles. He stopped smiling, not because he didn't like his teeth. He stopped smiling because it literally hurt his face because he had to really use that muscle to push through his pain and it was too much for him to bear. It was just easier to just relax the muscle and frown. I do this work for others because I was first able to do it for myself. The freedom that I have, the joy that I have, the purpose that I have, there's no way I could, God could allow me to experience this and I not share it with you. It's beautiful, Marty. It's gorgeous. And thank you for sharing that story. Again, I just marvel at your storytelling. And so we have about four minutes here, maybe three minutes. Um, and I just want to just have us wrap this theme in a bow here because 
trauma has no color. And when we're looking at the news and we're we're looking outside at the world and we're seeing so much polarization in politics, we're seeing the the um, cultural healing, the the Black Lives Matter. We're seeing so much out there, and. I really want to come home with the idea that my healing affects you. My trauma affects you, but my healing affects everyone around me, my family, my workplace, my community, and the world at large. So what last minute or two message do you want to give our listeners that that trauma has no color? Trauma has no color. However, I do want to share this little bit culturally. When we think about systemic racism, we have to think about the trauma that it lands on the black and brown cultures. That's something that we experience that no other culture can experience with us. That's where it is personal for us because you're talking about the wealth, the wealth gap and, and the unemployment and um, the housing discriminations and, and the arrests and, and how the, um, the government even has um, different systems and plans in place that causes, that causes us to, um, to have the issues that we have. And so the, uh, the government and the issues that they have in place. And so with that being said, we have to consider that when we see the black lives and the brown lives that are suffering right now through the systemic racism and how we help them with their trauma is that we first make sure we are trauma free and then we assist our neighbors. So when you, here I go again with a metaphor. So when, um, you're on an airplane and they say the first thing that they say, if, you know, if it's necessary that we have to grab our oxygen mask, do you put it on someone else first and then yourself or you put it on yourself and then you assist your child or someone else? They tell you to put it on yourself first. Some of us don't even have an oxygen mask. Yeah put on. Thank you, Dr. Marty. Um, I am in deep gratitude for you, your wisdom, and your voice in the world right now to, to do this collective healing that we're doing. So thank you again for another incredible conversation. Truly my honor and my pleasure. I thank you for allowing me to speak. Mm. And I want to leave you listeners, I'm going to share more than one quote tonight because I really want you to hear this message. Yoko Ono said, healing yourself is connected with healing others. David Hume said, it's when we start working together that the real healing takes place. And Bryant McGill said, progress and healing involves seeing every person as not so different from ourselves. So I want to leave you with these final words by Marianne Williamson. She said, In every community, there is work to be done. In every nation, there are wounds to heal. In every heart, there is the power to do it. 
You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.